بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله الكريم نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين وبعد So continuing with this series on remedying the tight and heavy chest We'll have a quick recap over what we covered in the previous session In the previous session we discussed Al-Ihsan and Shuja'ah Ihsan Goodness Generosity And Shuja'ah Bravery and courage And we discussed that these two are in fact Connected Ahsant Ihsan and Shuja'ah Being generous And being brave Are in reality inseparable just as being stingy, being niggardly, being tight-fisted, being greedy is inseparable from being a coward. Concerning this, um, يعني, we mentioned the hadith, hadith from Allah's Messenger alayhi salatu wasalam, concerning the one that is muhsin, the one that is charitable. The one that is generous and the one that is stingy, the one that is tight-fisted. Allah's Messenger struck an example of these two people by giving us an example of two men wearing an armor. Does anybody remember what was said concerning this? One, his armor expands. Who is he? The Muhsin, the charitable, generous person, his armor expands huh? to such an extent that yeah, it trails behind him and it, it wipes away his traces, his traces, his footsteps. What about the second one? The second one, the second sting, the stingy person. Hey. Armor, yeah, the armor has rings. Whenever this person intends of giving in charity, the armor tightens up, the rings they tighten up upon him. And thus, and thus he's not able to extend his arm out to give in charity. This type of person, even when he wants to give charity, his heart, it censures him. His heart, it blames him. And thus he's prevented from giving in charity. Now these two matters are inseparable. Being charitable and being brave or being stingy and being a coward. These two matters they are inseparable. Why? Because by giving in charity you can't do so. You can't be benevolent. You can't be charitable. You can't be generous. Except by actually giving. Except by actually sacrificing. Except by putting your hands into your pocket and taking out what is most beloved to you, your wealth. These things, the human being has an inclination towards them. He has fear. If I, have, if I lose wealth, if my wealth decreases, how am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to feed my family? How am I going to... and so on and so forth. So it takes what? It takes courage to be charitable. It takes courage to be giving, to be generous. In a similar fashion, therefore, the one that is stingy and niggardly, 
that shows that he is in reality a coward. And that cowardly person, Ibn al-Qayy mentioned, the one that is cowardly, then he doesn't experience any type of delight in life. He doesn't experience any type of satisfaction in life. What is the only type of satisf satisfaction and joy and bliss that the coward and the stingy person experiences? The one that is cowardly, okay, he gets some type of satisfaction in life. But his satisfaction in life, his bliss in life, his happiness in life, his relaxation in life is similar to the happiness of what? The Baha'im, animals, the beasts, they eat, they sleep, they drink, they have relations, and that is it. This type of person who is a coward, this type of person who is stingy, he only gets that type of na'im and raha that is similar to what the Baha'im experience, the animals, the beasts experience. Na'am. And then uh, Ibn al-Qayyim, he makes a mention of this principle. That bliss in life and relaxation in life, in the afterlife, it converts into what? The na'im, the inshirah, the surur in a person's heart in this life converts into, huh? likewise in the akhirah. In his grave, his grave ends up becoming a place of surur. His grave becomes a place of happiness. His grave becomes a place of relaxation. And then in a similar fashion, the one that has a life, a heart that is tight, not physically tight, not materialistically tight, but as far as his heart is concerned, as far as his soul is concerned, because he doesn't fulfill the rights of Allah and others, and thus his chest is tight, that tight chest will turn into and convert and transform into a tight grave for him in the afterlife. He's not giving in charity. That not giving in charity could necessitate that he's not just stingy towards others as far as sadaqah, voluntary sadaqah is concerned, but likewise, as far as the obligatory sadaqah is concerned, that tightness, that stinginess, that niggardliness leads him toward, towards what is haram. And thus, as a result of that, it turns into torment and punishment and tightness for him in his grave. Then Ibn al-Qayyim, he says, and this is where we stopped last week, that no consideration is meant to be given to any external factor. I will explain what this means. No consideration is given to any external factor. But rather what is given consideration is the permanent, ongoing characteristic that is established in that person's heart. Meaning, you see a person, and he's a person who Allah has granted a relaxed chest, alleviated chest. Yet, at specific times, in specific situations, he may come across, you may find him, you may see that he is 
undergoing tightness. He is afflicted with some type of tightness and a, uh, not relaxation in his life. And then at the same time, somebody who doesn't have and has not been blessed with a relaxed chest, with an alleviated chest. At times you might find him, you might see him to be relaxed. You might find him, you might see him to be somebody that is experiencing apparently some type of joy. That No consideration is given to that. Why? Because those are only occurring because of temporary reasons. These awarib. These temporary factors, they occur to any human being. So a human being that is a mu'min, and he's righteous, and he's pious, he's someone that is close to Allah, all of those means and those avenues that we've discussed so far, that bring about relaxation to a person, true, true relaxation to a person, he's like that. However, he may have been afflicted with something, a sickness, and thus he is struck with something that appears to the person as being as being tightness in his chest and tightness in his life no consideration is given to that why? because they are temporary factors once that factor is removed once that illness has been taken away once that problem in his life that caused him to have some temporary form of dhiq has been taken away as a result of him turning to Allah as a result of him making dhikr as a result of him making Al-iltija, seeking refuge and rescue, uh, refuge in Allah and recourse in Allah. As a result of that, once that temporary factor that brought about that temporary biq in his life has been removed, and that person returns being back, returns back to being in that state that he's usually in, that state of bliss. In a similar, in a similar fashion, no consideration is given to the other person. The person who has a tight life, not material, material tightness, but spiritual tightness, as far as his soul is concerned. That type of person you may find on the odd occasion, you may find that he is exhibiting signs of having relaxation, but no consideration is given to that. Why? Because that is a temporary factor, that is temporary bliss that he's experiencing. All of a sudden, perhaps for that moment in time, he feels generous, Sheikh Muhammad al Jami mentioned. He feels generous and thus he donates something. He gives something in charity. For that brief moment in time, he feels courageous, he feels brave. Somebody's being attacked in the street, all of a sudden, he runs to his rescue. Even though the sifa ad-da'ima, the constant, ongoing characteristic with this person, is that he's a coward. He sees somebody being attacked for that split moment, uh, for that split second, for that split moment in time, he goes to his rescue. He feels as a result of that, we can all relate to that. When it's the case that somebody is being attacked, for example, you go help them, you go rescue them, you feel, oh, alhamdulillah, I've, you feel that you've achieved something, you've, done, you've helped something, somebody. You feel some type of inshirah. That person, who the sifa ad-da'ima, the constant ongoing characteristic with him on the most part is that he is tight-fisted, he's a coward. At that moment in time when he goes to help somebody, at that particular moment in time, yes, he may undergo some degree of 
relaxation, but it's temporary. No consideration is given to that. The only thing that is given consideration is the ongoing, constant, predominant characteristic that he's characterized with, and that is a lack of relaxation, a lack of alleviation of his chest. Ayyub. Then Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala he makes a mention of another important matter that needs to be understood in order for a person to absolutely and totally actualize this relaxation of the chest. And that is ikhraj daghalil qalb. That is, he said Ibn al-Qayyim, he said likewise from among them is to remove and to take out the contaminations of the heart. We're going to explain what that means. But from the greatest means of bringing about relaxation to the chest is to remove the contaminations of the heart. The blameworthy characteristics, he says, that bring about the chest's tightness and agony Hindering it from recuperating. Hindering it from recuperating. Sheikh Muhammad Amman al-Jami, when he comments upon this, he says that this is in reference these uh, blameworthy characteristics of the heart, these contaminations of the heart. This is in reference to hasad and hiqd and al-hirs al-shadid and طول الأمل and تسويف بالتوبة just like you have water this water here it's pure isn't it if I drink it Bismillah am I not going to benefit from it or will I benefit from it I'll benefit from it why because it's pure now for example if somebody gets some type of impurity some type of filth places it in the water it becomes Contaminated. Now, regardless of how pure this water originally was, will I benefit from it? If it's the case that you put some filth inside of it, animal filth inside of it, if you contaminate it, will I benefit from it? No, it will in fact what? It will harm me. So in a similar way, in the past... Uh, 11, 12 weeks, we've gone over different things that will bring about inshirah of your chest, relaxation of your chest, ease in your life. However, if these contaminations of your heart are inside of your heart, then really and truly you're not going to be able to achieve that relaxation. Jealousy, hatred, having an extreme amount of keenness over the dunya, having long hopes, big hopes, long wishful hopes, and procrastinating toba, procrastinating repentance and seeking forgiveness from Allah and repentance, delaying repentance, procrastinating it, I'll do it, making tasweef of it, I'll do it later on. I'll make tawbah later on. 
These type of issues, these matters, these contaminations of the heart, they will hinder you from being able to achieve that relaxation. Sheikh Muhammad Amal al-Jami, he says, Al-Mubtala bil-Hasad idha ra'a ni'matan ala ghayrihi tamanna zawalaha. Sawa'an intaqalat ilayhi aw zalat ila ayy jihatin. The one that has been afflicted with jealousy, when he sees a blessing being enjoyed by someone else, what does he wish? He wishes that blessing to be taken away. He wishes that blessing to be taken away from that person, either to be delivered to him, either for him to receive that blessing, or that blessing to be taken away from the one that he is jealous of, and be given and taken and sent and rendered in any other direction. As long as it's taken away from the one that he is jealous of. His soul doesn't rest. His soul doesn't rest and he becomes agitated when he sees the other being blessed and enjoying a blessing. Whether the blessing is in relation to wealth, whether the blessing is in relation to knowledge or health, or even being upright upon the religion. Sheikh Muhammad Amal Jami, he says that in reality, the one that is jealous, his condition, it speaks for itself. His, it's as though the one that is jealous is saying, Ya Allah, Ya Rabb, O oh my Lord, why did you give so-and-so this blessing? Why did you give so-and-so wealth? Why did you give him knowledge? Why did you give him health? Why did you make him upright upon the religion? This type of person, and these type of characteristics, when they are in the heart, they will end up inevitably producing something else. Namima and ghiba, backbiting, gossiping. It may inevitably lead him to physically harming the mahsud, physically harming the one that he is, the one that he is jealous of. And as a result of that, do you really think that he's going to have a chest that is relaxed? No. The one that is a hasid, he is not somebody that is uh, uh, not restless. He's restless and his chest isn't relaxed and resting. But rather he's agitated. And his soul in reality and his inside in, in, in of himself in reality, he's being tortured, tortured by his own hasad, tortured by his own jealousy. The one that is jealous, Sheikh Muhammad Amal al-Jami, he says, he's also afflicted with tool al-amal, having big hopes, long hopes. I'm going to make tawbah when I become older. I'm going to change when I become older. I'm going to change when I become big. Later on in life, I'm going to modify, I'm going to bring about a transformation in, in, my, in, in, in what I'm doing, and in my behavior, in my demeanor. Right now, I'm going to stick to how I am. Why? Because he has tool al-amal. He has his long, long hopes. So if it is the case that a person doesn't remove these evil characteristics, these contaminations of his heart, then as Ibn al-Qayyim, he said, all of that effort that he's trying to put in, in bringing about relaxation in his life, 
gives in charity, seeks knowledge, is brave, is courageous, makes dhikr, and so on and so forth. All of that effort that he's putting in, it's going to be useless if these contaminations of the heart haven't been removed. And then Shaykh Muhammad Aman al-Jami, he advises to read some of the books of Ibn al-Qayyim. Some of the books of Ibn al-Qayyim that will cure these contaminations by way of which a person can cure himself from these contaminations. He mentions Tariq al-Hijratayn, a book of Ibn al-Qayyim. He makes a mention of Al-Fawa'id, a book that is a collection of Fawa'id of Ibn al-Qayyim. Madarij al-Salikin, another book of Ibn al-Qayyim, Iftah Dar al-Sa'ada. So these are some of the books of Ibn al-Qayyim, and likewise other books. Sheikh Muhammad Amman al-Jami, he says, the young, the shabab, and likewise any, any other person, they should capitalize upon their time, their free time in studying these books, those books that will cure these sicknesses of the heart. A person, he should study these books in order to truly emulate the salaf as far as these matters are concerned. Otherwise, his iltizam, his istiqama, his practicing of the religion, his being upright, is nothing other than an iltizam shakli, a superficial form of practicing, a superficial form of being a practicing Muslim, upright Muslim, religious person. It's all superficial. If it is the case that these contaminations of the heart haven't been removed, al-iltizam shakli dekur la yujdi. It's nothing other than uh, decor, decoration. If it's the case that these contaminations haven't been removed from the heart. Sheikh Muhammad Aman al-Jami, he says that a short thobe, having a thobe above your ankles, and a thick beard, yani having a beard, even though these are things that we have been commanded with, these are things that Allah has encouraged us with in his sharia. Having a thobe that is above the ankles, the garments being above the ankles, growing the beard, all of these things, if it is the case that behind these things aren't Islamic characteristics, Islamic traits embedded within your heart, then all of this exterior, this external manifestation is not really going to benefit you. Rather, what is a must is that these mavahir, these external matters, these external manifestations, the beard, the garments being above the ankles, the, the khimar, the jilbab, the, the, the niqab, these external matters, they should in reality be an effect that is from the effects of true iltizam, <clears throat> of true practicing the religion, of true religiousness. Then in that situation, when it, is the, when it is the case that the heart is itself upright, devoid of these contaminations, when the heart is pure, purified from these contaminations, then it will produce, uh, it, will produce that, it will produce that external manifestation of your deen, that external manifestation of your practicing, of your istiqamah, and that type of istiqamah, that type of iltizam, ni'mal iltizam, wa ni'matul istiqamah. How blessed is that external manifestation of 
practicing and being religious. When it is the case, then it, when it is the case that it is a manifestation of your internal istiqama, your internal purity. Then Sheikh Muhammad Aman al Jami he says. Rather, Ibn al-Qaim, he then went on to say, he then said, for indeed if a person adopts the avenues that are intended to alleviate his chest without actually removing those blameworthy characteristics from his heart, then his attempt at alleviating his chest will be useless, as we've mentioned already. And the end result, Ibn al-Qaim, he says, the end result of the person is that he has two opposing elements that are repeatedly affecting his heart. He belonging to the predominant element of the two. Meaning, when it is the case that you trying to have this inshirah of the sadr by ilm that you study, you make the dhikr, and you have shuja'a, you are brave, and you are muhsin, you are charitable. And you do all of those other things that are meant to bring about relaxation in your life, in your chest, in your heart. But then you have these blameworthy contaminations in your heart as well. Then these two elements in your heart, they're going to be vying against one another. And the, the only thing that is going to be manifested as far as you are concerned upon you is, upon you is the one that is predominant in your heart. So if it is the case that hasad, because hasad will have an effect, tasweef will have an effect, Tool al-amal will have an effect. Ajab, being amazed with oneself. Kibr, pride. All of these contaminations of the heart. If it is the case that these things are predominant in your heart, then you're going to end up being characterized with that. That is what your state is going to be. And thus, as a result of that, you're not going to have the inshirah of the sadr. When it is the case that you're trying to alleviate your soul by doing all those other asbab, but you have this then in your heart there's going to be a battle taking place between these two elements. One element, which is sifat mahmudah, praiseworthy characteristics, and the other sifat madhmumah, awsaf madhmumah, characteristics and attributes that are dispraised. And the one that you're going to be characterized with is the one that is going to be the overwhelming majority. طيب, then after that, Ibn al-Qaim, he says, وَمِنْهَا تَرْكُ فُضُولَ النَّظَرِ وَالْكَلَامِ وَالْإِسْتِمَاعِ وَالْمُخَالَطَةِ وَالْأَكَلِ وَالنَّوْمِ فَإِنَّ هَذِهِ الْفُضُولِ تَسْتَحِيلُ آلَامًا وَغُمُومًا وَهُمُومًا فِي الْقَلْبِ Ibn al-Qaim he says that among them, among those things that bring about alleviation in a person's chest is leaving off excessive looking, excessive speaking excessive listening, excessive mixing, intermingling, excessive eating, excessive sleep. Why? Because indeed these matters, these excess matters, they bring about pain towards the person, pain in your soul, pain in your heart, pain and sadness and grief in the heart. They end up confining it imprisoning it, tightening it. And thus, by way of that, the person becomes tortured. Rather, the majority 
of the adab in the dunya and the akhirah is as a result of it, is as a result of this excess. Obviously that depends upon to what excess and to what uh, degree a person takes these fudul too, takes these excess uh, matters too. Fudul and nazar, excess looking. Sheikh Muhammad Aman al-Jami he says concerning this, that a person, he utilizes the ability to look and the ability to see in those matters that are haram, in those matters that Allah has made prohibited. And likewise, you traveling in order to look, as they say, we're going to natafarraj, we're going to go out and uh, look and tour and see and see evil. The one that sees the, the one that goes out to see these things in order to enter surur in his heart while he is mu'rid, he turns away from seeing, from looking into the book of Allah, looking into the sunnah, looking into them with tadabbur, with ta'akkul, by pondering over them and reflecting over them, then this type of person, he is in reality engaging in the excessive looking, i.e. looking at those things that he desires, to bring about surur inside, inside of himself. Go out and see, or perhaps nowadays, yani you can see it in, on your mobile phone. You want to see something. In order, for you, in order for it to bring about alleviation, relaxation, happiness, joy, glee, and what have you, to you. But at the same time, you're a person who doesn't utilize that looking, that ability to look, that faculty of looking in the book of Allah and in the sunnah. Then you're engaging in the, you're engaging in the excessive looking, that looking that is going to bring about a lack of relaxation and alleviation in your heart. Likewise, fudul al-kalam, excessive speech. This consists of the speech that is muharram, that speech which is prohibited, like riba, like namima, backbiting and gossiping. And likewise, that kalam, that speech, which is useless, just wasting time, idle talk. You find people, they say, come on, let's go and kill some time. Let's go sit around and kill some time. Let's go lime, let's go and whatever they say. Huh? This type of thing, Sheikh Muhammad al Jami, he says, these type of people, they do this while and al-awqat rakhisa indahum. Because time is cheap to them. However, we know that time is what? Time is a, the only asset that we have that really has any value. And time is more expensive than even wealth. Why? If it is the case that I lose five pounds today, can I get that five pounds tomorrow? You can get it, no doubt, inshallah. But time, it's an asset. It's an asset that is continuously depreciating. It's not something that is increasing. It is depreciating as far as you are concerned. You're not going to be able to get that time back, that slot back. But these people, time is rakhisa to them. Time is cheap to them. They don't have laysa fihi dhikrullah, wala fihi tilawat kitab Allah, wala fihi al-amr bil-ma'roof, wala fihi anil-munkar. 
These type of people don't utilize their time in reciting the book of Allah, in making dhikr of Allah, nor ordering the good or prohibiting the evil. Likewise, Ibn al-Qayyim, he says, Fudul al-Istima' This is another thing. Excessive amounts. Obviously there's details to it, but this is uh, just a brief uh, overview of it. Fudul al-Nadhar, Fudul al-Kalam, excessive speech, speaking. Speaking has its etiquette, it has its, it has its categories, it has its uh, uh, guidelines and what have you. Uh, but generally speaking, excessive speech, this is something that is going to bring about a lack of relaxation in a person's chest. Likewise, excessive listening. Instead of listening to the kalam of Allah, instead of listening to the hadith of Allah's Messenger alayhi salatu wasalam, instead of listening to a beneficial lecture, a beneficial, beneficial uh, lecture and lesson, this type of person, he finds that he listens to music, he listens to songs, he listens to speech that is of no benefit. He listens to things that are going to be of no benefit to him. So this type of person, this type of attitude, this type of behavior, again, brings about that lack of relaxation in that person's chest. Likewise, mukhalata, excess intermingling, or rather excess socializing. That's a better word. Excess socializing. Especially in these days, Sheikh Muhammad Ibn al-Jami says, especially in our time, the most part, socializing isn't going to bring about anything other than evil, except for whom Allah wills otherwise. Nowadays, people gather together in order to backbite, in order to gossip, in order to eat the flesh of others and tail carry. This today has become something that is common. If only these people, if only these people, لو خالطوا أهل العلم وأهل الفقه في الله وخالطوا طلاب العلم ومن يستفيدون منهم لكان خيرا لذلك If it was only the case that these type of people would socialize with the people of knowledge socialize with the people who have understanding of the religion mix and intermingle with the seekers of Islamic knowledge and the students of Islamic knowledge and those that they can benefit from that would have been better for them It's better خير خير للإنسان في هذه الأيام أن يلازم العزلة. Better in today's time that a person he just sticks to being secluded. It doesn't mean being secluded like a hermit, right? Obviously you have your obligations that you fulfill. ما لم يجد مجالا للمخالطة النافعة التي ينتفع بها أو ينفع بها. If it is the case that you can't find any type of social company through which you can benefit or through which you can find benefit and stick to being secluded. Sheikh Muhammad Aman al-Jami, he wasn't somebody that socialized a great amount. He goes to Fajr, then comes back, goes to the Islamic University in Medina. And then from, uh, I'm not too sure as to what time it was, in his time, in my time, it used to be from half past seven till twenty past twelve. So around about half to so five hours, he's teaching. After that, Salat al-Dhuhr. After that, he goes home. After that, Sheikh Muhammad Aman al-Jami, have his dinner, have his qailula, siesta nap, what have you, like is the custom over there. And then after that, Salat al-Asr. From Salat al-Asr to Salat al-Maghrib to Salat al-Isha, what's he doing? Lessons. Teaching. Okay? 
That was the barnamij in the program of Sheikh Muhammad Aman, Al-Jami. So he's not saying become a hermit, but if you're going to socialize, and then again, socializing, it has its categories, it has its different types, and the people that you should socialize with, and the amount that you should socialize with them, but as we said, that's a different discussion. Likewise, fudul al-akal, excessive eating, eating beyond what is, uh, eating يعني, above فوق اللازم, eating above what is needed. Likewise, fudul al-nawm, excessive uh, sleep, sleeping over and above what is required. And then he makes a mention of some of those idle people today. You find that they come, at, come home at night from work, and they'll program their clock on their phone, or they'll program their clock in order to wake up at half past seven. Why? Because he has to go to work at half past seven. But in terms of Salat al-Fajr, no alarm clock does he place on his phone. This Sheikh Muhammad Aman al-Jami, he says, and likewise Sheikh bin Baz, he says, it can, it can take you to kufr. Sheikh Abdul Aziz ibn Baz, he's got a fatwa saying that if it is the case that a person sets his alarm for work, right, for example, half past seven, but he doesn't set his alarm or he doesn't set any precautions for Salat al-Fajr, this type of person is a kafir. As far, uh, based upon the opinion of Sheikh, uh, Sheikh Abdul Aziz ibn Baz, rahimahullahu ta'ala, the one that generally abandons the Salah, as far as the, uh, the, the qawl of Sheikh Ibn Baz and Sheikh Uthaymeen and, and others are concerned, is a disbeliever. Sheikh Abdul Aziz ibn Ubaz, he also has a fatwa that the one who programs his clock to wake him up for work, but not program his clock to wake him up for fajr, this type of person is a, is a disbeliever. Sheikh Abdul Aziz ibn Ubaz, he says, as for the one who is overcome by sleep, and thus the time it, it goes, then this type of person, he is not going to be harmed by that. Rather, he prays when he wakes up. Sheikh, Abdel, Sheikh Muhammad Aman al-Jami, he says, فَإِنَّ هَذِهِ الْفُضُولِ أَلَّتِي تَقَدَّمَ ذِكْرُهَا تَسْتَحِيلُ آلَامًا وَغُمُومًا يَوْمًا مَا يَكْبُرْ فِي السِّنِّ فَيَجِدُ أَنَّهُ قَضَى شَبَابَهُ فِي فُضُولِ الْمُخَالَطَةِ وَفُضُولِ النَّظَرِ وَفُضُولِ الْكَلَامِ وَفُضُولِ النَّوْمِ one day, if it's the case that you wasted your time in this life by excessive sleep, by excessive eating, by excessive drinking, <coughs> by excessive socializing, by excessive uh, 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 speech and, and what have you, then one day you're going to be struck with grief, with sadness, with sorrow with remorse, with regret, when you become older and you're going to find that you wasted your whole life, you wasted your youth in this excessive socializing, excessive looking, excessive speaking, excessive sleep and so on and so forth. These things are going to bring about grief and sadness to you, regret to you. Walakin, in kana dhalika, yusabibu lahu وَالرُّجُوعِ إِلَى اللَّهِ نِعْمَ الْأَلَمِ وَنِعْمَ الْحِزْنِ وَنِعْمَ الْهَمِ وَالْغَمِ إِذَا كَانَتَ النَّتِيجَةَ التَّوْبَةَ 
inaba. However, if it is the case that when you're older, or even now, this pain, this remorse, this regret that you're fighting with in your heart now because of what you've wasted in your life that has passed you by of excessive sleep, of excessive drinking, socializing, wasting time and so on and so forth. If that pain and that regret that you're undergoing now causes you to turn back to Allah, causes you to turn back to Allah with remorse, with regret, with repentance, then what a good and blessed form of pain that is. How blessed is that regret that you have? How blessed a grief that is. Then Ibn al-Qaim he says, Ibn al-Qaim he says, he said, so la ilaha illallah. After he said about these excessive matters, that they confine the heart, they constrain it and cause it to become tightened. And thus the heart, it agonizes because of them. And the fact is that the vast majority of agonies in this life and in the next are due to them, he says. He says, فَلَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ How constrained is the chest of he who took an active part in every affliction from these afflictions? How bitter is his life? How bad is his condition? How severe is the heaviness of his heart? And then he says, Likewise, لا إله إلا الله How blissful is the life of he who took an active part in attaining every characteristic from those praiseworthy characteristics. His efforts would revolve around them, being committed to them. Therefore this person, the latter, the one who took every ounce of effort, exerted every ounce of his effort in attaining those things that bring about alleviation and happiness in his life. That type of person, he will have an abundant portion of what has been mentioned in the statement of Allah, in al-abrara lafi na'im. Indeed the righteous ones are going to be in bliss, i.e. in the afterlife. Likewise in this life. Whereas the former either wretched person will have an abundant portion of what is mentioned in the statement of Allah the Most High وَإِنَّ lafi jahim, and indeed the fujjar the evildoers shall be in the fire <coughs> Ibn al-Qaim he then goes on to say the point of all this is that Allah's messenger sallallahu alayhi so the point of everything that we've covered so far and all of those means and those avenues and those methods by which you can bring about happiness in your life. As far as the word happiness is truly concerned. Relaxation in your life. As far as having a relaxed life is truly concerned. The point of everything that we've discussed so far is that Allah's Messenger Muhammad وسلم, was the most perfect of creation in respect to every characteristic by which relaxation of the chest, light-heartedness, delight of the eye, and life of the soul can be attained. <coughs> so Ibn al-Qaim he's saying, 
But as far as relaxation of the chest is concerned, then Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is at the peak of all of that. He is the most perfect one as far as having this joy in life is concerned. So that's real joy. We've identified what real joy and happiness is and relaxation is. And Muhammad sallallahu out of every single human being that walked on the face of this earth, he's at the top. He's at the pinnacle of being able to achieve and attain that joy and that happiness. Ibn al-Qayyim, he says, <coughs> Therefore, he is the most perfect of creation. Yani Muhammad Therefore, he is the most perfect of creation in relation to this relaxation. Life and delight of the eye alongside what, has, what he has been specified with of perceivable relaxation. He is the most perfect of creation in respect to being followed. The most perfect in relaxation, joy and delight of the eye. Here's the important point. And in accordance to the degree that he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, is followed, does the slave attain whatever he actually ends up attaining of relaxation of the heart, delight of the eye, and joy of the soul. So Sheikh Muhammad Aman al-Jami, he says concerning this, that all of these matters of joy of the soul and delight of the eye and peace, and these things a person can't attain, except by following the Messenger of Allah alayhi salatu wasalam, emulating him, following his footsteps, copying him sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Everything that the Messenger of Allah alayhi salatu wasalam attained, if it is the case that you want to attain something similar to that, you have to follow him, you have to imitate him, you have to copy him. And it all depends upon how much you copy him. How much you follow him, how much you imitate him, to that degree will you attain whatever you attain of joy, of bliss, and of delight. Ibn al-Qayyim, he says, Therefore he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, is at the peak of perfection in relation to relaxation of the chest, elevation of rank, and pardoning of sins. And his followers have such a portion of that, that is proportionate to the, to the degree that they follow him and Allah is the one from whom aid is sought. Allah's Messenger alayhi salatu wasalam, he had a relaxed chest. He had, he had the one that was the most alleviated. He is the one that had the most elevated rank. Every single act of worship that we engage in, that we do, that we engage in, that we take part in, in it, is an elevation of the rank of Allah's Messenger alayhi salatu wasalam. How? Every single act of worship that we engage in, that we take part in, in it is an elevation of the rank of the Messenger of Allah alayhi salatu wasalam. How? We're following Him. When you pray salat, you're praying, copying Him, following Him. When it is the case that you make saum, you make hajj, when you make umrah, it is ta'asiyan bihi alayhi salatu wasalam. Following him, copying him, imitating him, sallallahu alayhi wa How many acts of worship within which do we say his name? Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammadan abduhu rasuluh. So the Messenger of Allah, he has relaxed chest, relaxed chest. He has an elevated rank. He has his sins pardoned. And you can get not the same level 
of relaxation of the chest, not the same level of high rank and elevation of rank, not the same level of pardoning of sin, but you can get a portion of that. And the portion that you get is dependent upon how closely you follow him. Shaykh Muhammad Aman al-Jami, he mentions an important point, and that is the fact that it's not enough. A person who wants to say that he's following the Messenger of Allah alayhi salatu was salam, for you to be like, for you to get that relaxation and those achievements and those attainments that he attained, for you to get a portion of that, isn't by merely saying he was an, he was an abqari, he was a genius, he was a, 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 you know, a genius or somebody that is incomparable, right? Why? Because loving him just for his that, loving him just for his shakhsiyah, loving Muhammad Wasallam just because of his personality in and of itself, without it being related to a love that is an Islamic love, a love that is born and produced from creed, from your iman. That love is going to be of no fruit. It's going to be of no benefit. How do we know that? Because isn't it the case that Abu Talib loved the Messenger of Allah, but that was mahabbah shakhsiyah. That was just loving the Messenger of Allah alayhi salatu wasalam, as far as his personality is concerned. The only type of love of the Messenger of Allah, the only type of acknowledgement that he was a great man, that he was somebody that there is no other man that can compare to him, isn't the type of, isn't the type of astonishment and amazement and regard that the, that the Orientalists, that some of the Orient, Orientalists have. Michael H. Hart, he authored a book, The 100 Most Influential Men in History, who was number one. But it's going to be of no benefit. Why? Because the only type of regard for this man, Muhammad ibn Abdullah, that brings about some relaxation is the one that is accompanied and is as a result of having had Iman in him. That is the only type of love that brings about that relaxation in the, in the chest and alleviation in one's life. Then to conclude, Ibn Qayyim, he says, similarly, his followers have such a portion of protection from Allah for them, safeguarding them, defending them, strengthening them, and aiding them, that is proportionate to the degree of their following the Messenger So among them is the one who gives it little care, and among them is he who gives it a great deal of importance. I.e. Allah, Allah has a ma'iyyah. A a withness. Allah is with us in his knowledge, with us in his power, with us in his seeing, with every single human being, with the Muslim, with the Kafir, with the Mu'min, the Salih, and the Fajr, everybody. Allah is with the creation as far as his knowledge and his power is concerned and his hearing is concerned and so on and so forth from his attributes that necessitate that. However, there is another ma'iyah, there is another withness of Allah. That is a ma'iyah khasa, a specific form of withness. And that is for whom? To who, which people get that ma'iyah of Allah, that Allah is with you. Wherever you go, He is there with you, He supports you, He aids you. The believers, the righteous ones. And the more that you follow Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, 
the more of this ma'iyah of Allah that you will have, the more of this support that you will have from Allah, the more that Allah will be there defending you, safeguarding you, and protecting you. Ibn al-Qayyim, he then says, Therefore, whoever ends up finding goodness, let him praise Allah in this life and the next. If you find that ma'iyah of Allah, if you find that inshirah of your sadr, relaxation in your life, in your chest, in this life, then, let, then praise Allah. Praise Allah now, and in the afterlife. If it is the case that you find that you are righteous in this life, and thus Allah rewards you in the afterlife, praise Allah. وَمَنْ وَجَدَ غَيْرَ ذَلِكَ فَلَا يَلُومَنَّ إِلَّا نَفْسَهُ But whoever finds anything besides that, then let him blame nobody but himself. If it is the case that your life is suffocating and suffering, then don't blame anybody except yourself. Not material suffocation, but suffocation of your soul. Spiritual suffocation. Suffocation as a result of you having become distant from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And at that point, we conclude with this series on remedying the tight the heavy chest and the means and the avenues that bring about relaxation of the chest. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bi asma'il husna wa sifatil ula that he allows all of us, those that have been present and those that are listening, he allows us to benefit from this, to act accordingly. We ask him subhanahu that he doesn't allow this to be a proof against us but rather a proof for us on a day that no child, no wealth shall be of any avail to a person except the one that comes to Allah بِقَلْبٍ salim with a righteous sound heart. Wallahu ta'ala a'lam wa sallillahumma ala nabiyyina Muhammad walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.